What a customer was eating five years ago is completely different now. So you've got to stay sharp on that market front. Because food waste really starts at the farm and then it finishes at the end of a scraped plate. This is the Food and Beverage Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Food and Beverage Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And today we're joined by John Davidson. He's the Director of Innovation and Education for Deerland Probiotics and Enzymes. And John Davidson is coming on to talk everything digestive enzyme supplements. Not only are we going to get a better sense for why gut health is such an important part of day-to-day health, but more importantly, we're going to dig into the market for digestive enzyme supplements, how the market has changed over the last several years, and really how consumer demand is affecting the industry as a whole. John, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Daniel. Great to have you on. I know you've been in this industry for 30 plus years. What would you say is the biggest technological change that has affected uh, the probiotic scene in, in that time span that you've been in the industry? Well, on the probiotic side, I think the Human Microbiome Project has really been uh, quite a big change with the technologies and the information that's available uh, for growing that probiotic market. We have a lot more knowledge now about the different organisms and how they interact with uh, us as their hosts and uh, with one another. John, tell me a bit more about the Human Microbiome Project. I definitely read up on that before jumping into the podcast, but I think our audience needs to get a better sense for what it is and how it's impacted the industry before we jump into gut health. Yeah, the Human Microbiome Project really has been a kind of a worldwide effort to map out uh, the entire genetic material that's associated with the the human gut and to get uh, a better picture from a, a genetic standpoint of just the diversity of the organisms that inhabit our digestive system. Uh, and as opposed to the old methods where you couldn't uh, identify it if you couldn't culture it on a plate. Uh, when you see the DNA, you can identify organisms that can't even be cultured. So you know they're there. You just have to uh, trace the fingerprints back to identify who those individuals are. Have you felt a pretty internal positive shift because of that project uh, within the enzyme and the probiotic space? Yes, I think that all that information that's coming out of that project is shedding a lot of light on potential connections between these microorganisms and uh, different aspects of human health. Uh, For instance, there are talk about the uh, gut-brain axis. Uh, We have connections between our uh, gastrointestinal tract and our brain. And this is a result of the communication from the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain. So it's fascinating to see the possibilities that these microorganisms that inhabit our intestines could actually have some impact on things like mood and cognition. And uh, there are many other uh, disciplines that are trying to find their connections to this uh, microbiota that we have and uh, how it affects things like cardiovascular health, for example, or, or obesity or or weight management. Uh, It just goes on and on. Well, I mean, it sounds like the applications are almost limitless, but we do have to focus in the conversation in one direction. So we're going to chat mostly on gut health. So John, 
let's get a better sense for why gut health is so important. So tell me a bit about how digestive enzyme supplements specifically impact gut health and why gut health is such an essential part of day-to-day health, not just for your gym rats or your health nuts, but for everyone, for your day-to-day consumer. Well, basically, you know, enzymes are essential for life. We have enzymes in our digestive system. Our body produces enzymes, you know, primarily for digestion and intestines is coming from your pancreas, you know, the pancreatic secretions. Uh, We couldn't break our food down into small particles so that they could be absorbed and we could get the nutrients from the food that we eat without these enzymes. Uh, As we age and uh, other conditions, uh, sickness, um, stress, a lot of factors can affect the body's ability to produce adequate amount of these enzymes. So that brings in the possibilities of uh, supplementation of enzymes from some exogenous source. Uh, We specialize that in uh, supplementation of digestive enzymes here at Deerland. And uh, we've got many years of experience with these uh, different sources from fungal, bacterial, plant, or even animal enzymes that can be used to supplement the body's own secretions to improve our ability to break down the food so they can be better absorbed. And how has the market for these supplements changed over just even the last five years? Is there a more increased consumer demand? Um, is, uh, is the market providing more products? And has there been innovation that has showcased, okay, these are the right enzymes to bring into the mix. These are better probiotics. These are worse probiotics. I guess, yeah, just tell me how the market has evolved in the last few years. I think the market's evolving, uh, partly driven by the information that we have, uh, the technology that we have today that's much better than it was in the past. But I think the primary driver is really on the consumer side and just the awareness about uh, how uh, fundamentally important to our health good digestion is. You know, the old adages uh, that we've all heard uh, are really true, that you are what you eat. What do you think is motivating that change or that increased interest by the consumer? I think it's just um, there are a lot of products in the marketplace. There's a lot of research. Uh, Even medical doctors are getting on board these days, I believe, with the benefits of supplementation. And just the awareness of gut health in general, the probiotic uh, marketplace has really brought that to the Uh, consciousness of the average consumer about how uh, important gut health is to our general well-being. And so uh, the whole digestive process is much more complex than any one part. You know, the food you eat, uh, the the enzymes that you secrete, the, the microorganisms in your gut, and the enzymes that they may produce or other metabolites they produce, they, they all contribute to our overall digestion and in turn to our, our health and well-being. Do you feel like there's been a big social push for this as well? Because I feel like there have been a lot of trends, especially now that social media helps uh, spread those trends around with greater intensity. Um, you know, there have been a lot of trends that promote healthier eating, um, more exercise, small ways and big ways to transform your life, uh, to, you know, live a healthier life. Do you feel like social media or just a cultural push has been instrumental in getting the probiotic and the enzyme seen more in the hands of the consumer? Oh, definitely. I think social media is really helping to spread the word. Uh, when one 
the consumer has a positive experience, uh, they likely share that with a, a multitude of other uh, of their contacts. And uh, I think there's been a great awareness about various food sensitivities, you know, the gluten intolerance uh, and all the plethora of gluten-free foods that you might find in the marketplace these days. Uh, things like lactose intolerance, and that's been uh, well-established for some time. Uh, other issues like uh, intolerance to things like certain uh, sugars, you know, fructose, for example, or uh, beans, legumes, and the gas problems that they cause. This, these all can all be uh, helped by taking the right digestive enzymes. So let's look at how this consumer demand has affected your company specifically and the industry, both positively and negatively, because obviously more consumer interest leads to more sales and you having the funds to then look for better innovation in the space um, and bring better products to the space. But I'm sure there are also some negative effects or at least just some growing pains from that increased interest that at least in my eyes, seem to sprout up, um, not overnight, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things in the last several years, that kind of has that overnight effect. So tell me a bit how consumer demand for these products has affected your company and the industry positively and negatively. Well, I think on the positive side, um, it has allowed us to grow and uh, make more investments into technology and uh, investing in human clinical studies on uh, the effects of some of our products. Uh, and that's really uh, adds to the credibility level. And, and then that in turn allows us to um, attract uh, potential clients that we might work with who might be interested in getting into this segment of the supplement marketplace uh, who are more demanding for the scientific substantiation for claims. And um, also, I think then on the negative side, um, the increase in popularity of these types of products, you know, uh, probably has a tendency to bring other people into the marketplace that may not be quite as knowledgeable or as experienced, and they're just in it to make a quick buck, and they may not be able to put out a quality product or an efficacious product. Would you feel like clinical studies and credibility around these products is one of the biggest issues or the biggest drivers for success or for failure in the probiotic and enzyme space? Yes, I, th I believe that uh, human clinicals properly uh, scientifically designed, you know, double-blind, placebo-controlled type clinicals are really going to be essential to the growth of the industry and, and the credibility of the industry. And, uh, you know, they, they cost a, a lot of money and they take a lot of time. So uh, it takes a great commitment on the part of a company to make that investment. And I think the payoff, though, is that we'll be able to substantiate credible, scientifically violated claims. And this will, I think, ultimately separate uh, the winners from the losers in our marketplace. And I think it definitely just gives more credibility to the industry as a whole um, because you mentioned it earlier before we actually started the podcast, but you know the probiotic and enzyme space sort of skirts this middle line between food and beverage industry, between the healthcare industry, because yes, you are providing health supplemental products, but without those studies, it's hard to market it as you know this is going to exactly change this or this is going to affect your body in this way because you can't make those 
claims if they're unsubstantiated. Um, are you seeing that still be an issue within this space that you have a lot of companies rising up making claims that aren't true or that are half true and then that bites them in the butt? Absolutely. I think that's, you know, been really the Achilles heel of the supplement industry forever that, uh, there was very little scientific evidence uh, to support a lot of the claims. And it was um, really holding back, uh, penetrating the masses of uh, the marketplace. People who are skeptical, you know, the news media typically is uh, negative about supplements and you, you don't get too many positive stories. You always get the negative ones. Uh, so I think we it's incumbent upon us to take the high road and do the science and then get that information out to the public through you know scientific journals and uh, trade publications to let people know that uh, there are really legitimate companies in the marketplace that make safe and efficacious products that have been scientifically validated uh, and i think ultimately that's the direction the industry has to go so i think since this side of the industry really does skirt that line between two whole industries, I think leaves a lot of room for misrepresentation or misunderstanding from other subsections within the industry. So what would you say is the main thing the healthcare industry or the food and beverage industry misunderstands or misrepresents? And it doesn't even have to be in a malicious way, just in an accidental way, um, you know, misrepresents about supplements like the ones that Deerland produces. Well, I think, you know, basically... We all have a tendency to try to oversimplify everything. And we think that, well, if, if I just do this, it'll fix that. And the human system is much more complex and, and it's a very homeostatic system. So uh, the solutions are going to be more complex. And, and so I, I think that we have to be able to connect the dots between uh, the importance of the enzymes in a digestive process and given us the ability to potentially absorb more of the nutrients that we consume. And then further on down the line, how those nutrients that are left over that weren't absorbed become food sources for the microbiota in our intestines and how then that has uh, effect both either positive or negative, depending upon those type of organisms on our health and well-being. Right, and it probably doesn't help that the companies that don't have the clinical trials associated with their product and still try to market them and get people to buy them probably oversimplify the issues themselves in the marketing to get people to buy the products because well they don't have the actual science behind it so that doesn't help when you're then trying to integrate with the rest of the industry and bring validity to what you're doing when you have you know these people basically misrepresenting the entire industry that's true and uh, i think that just reemphasizes the importance of uh, making the investments in, into the clinical studies uh, to really legitimize and, and add credibility to this market. Walk me through the process for those clinical studies. Um, I know they take a long time, but obviously are very beneficial. What does it typically take to begin one, get one done, see results from it, and then be able to market your product with those results? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's it's quite a long process, actually, from the initial stages of planning, you know, the type of study that you would like to do, what kind of protocol does it take, uh, finding uh, some organization to collaborate with. Typically, we might uh, collaborate with a university, 
some professor that specializes in the area of interest uh, because, of course, they want publications. So that's going to benefit us as well in the, in the public. Uh, and then one, once you've uh, come up with your clinical design and, and your clinical partner, you, know, you have to go through a, the recruitment process to recruit the, uh, the population that's going to participate in the study. All this has to be approved by the um, institutional uh, review board for that organization so that it's uh, safe and, and legitimized. Uh, once the population has been recruited and, and you begin the actual study, uh, that that may take several weeks or, or months, depending upon the size of the population and, and uh, the length of the study. Uh, then all the data has to be collected and analyzed and uh, then you go through the process of writing that all up and ultimately uh, a publication being submitted. You have to find uh, you know, a uh, publication partner uh, that's willing to uh, publish the, the article or the, or the clinical results. And then uh, eventually that gets published and it's made public. Sounds strenuous. <laughs> it's quite a process. It's not something to be undertaken lightly, you know. Definitely. But once you have them, I think that opens up so many doors for partnership opportunities with big brands that could put your products on shelf space and then, you know, bring the idea of probiotics and enzymes on a really daily basis for the consumer. You know, it, it puts that idea in their head if they can see it on the shelf. So tell me a bit more about the partnership challenges and opportunities that come with these big health forward brands like Whole Foods, let's say, who look to stock your products to meet this growing consumer demand. Yeah, they're, uh, they're fairly demanding for uh, all the documentation. Of course, uh, safety is uh, the paramount concern. Uh, whether it's uh, grass has grass status, you know, generally recognize a safe status with the FDA. Uh, they generally want at least two uh, human clinicals um, that have been published uh, before they'll um, include your your ingredient or your product in their portfolio. And um, and then there's all the stability uh, issues that are involved with both enzymes and probiotics, which are a little more difficult to obtain uh, as opposed to, let's say, some vitamins and minerals because both enzymes and probiotics are, are heat sensitive. So um, you can't do accelerated conditions to get uh, valid stability data. So yeah, that takes more real-time uh, studies and obviously that takes time. Which I think puts up a, a stronger barrier of entry for your smaller brands or your up-and-comers who have the ideas or who who think they've found a solution and want to bring a probiotic or want to bring an enzyme um, the product to market uh, from actually entering the market, which I guess can be a good thing because it prevents um, knockoff brands or prevents non-registered um, or um, tested brands from really exploding in the public eye. Um, but I think to a degree, it might limit your, you know, your smaller company from wanting to enter the space because of the limitations of they have to get the trials, then they have to get enough trials and they have to get certified. And then that finally lets them in the door to these big retailers. So I guess I want to get your, your general thoughts on are there smaller players 
even in this space? Is this a space that is open for innovation and open for new companies to try and bring new products to market? Or is it pretty much a, a legacy kind of industry to where it really does take that brand to be around for 30-something years to get the reputation to fund all the clinical studies to then bring their product to market? Well, I think a little bit of both. You know, there, there are a lot of small players in the marketplace, but, you know, they, they might take fall into two different categories. Let's say those that aren't really that legitimate, that are not really concerned with the legitimate science and, and stability and clinicals. They're really just offering a product at a lower price and trying to capitalize on the interest in the market. Uh, they can't afford to put in the overhead of doing the clinicals and, and all the science and all the documentation that's required. And then the other side would be those that want to partner with someone such as Duralink Robotics and Enzymes who has the expertise, uh, can provide, we, we kind of look at ourselves at times as, as the, the R&D arm of, of some company. You know, we, we can have the expertise, we can do that work for you uh, at a reasonable cost compared to uh, trying to undertake that all yourself. So that's really one of the fortes I think that we have. One of the advantages we have is, is our extensive experience in, in the area. And we've already made the investments in laboratories and clinical studies. And we have the personnel and the expertise to pursue these types of projects so I, I think that gives us an advantage. And, and then with the larger players, I mean, it's really a prerequisite now uh, to do business. You have to have a well-established, you know, quality control, quality assurance, R&D, uh, marketing, all, all of the aspects, and uh, then the human clinicals. So Deerland is almost trying to be the, the shark tank of the probiotics and enzymes industry. Well, I think uh, I wouldn't say necessarily we have a corner on the market, but uh, we've certainly made a lot of investments and we see that uh, as the future uh, growth of our company to continue to invest in the science. Well, John, I appreciate you joining us on the podcast and giving us your insight on the industry of digestive enzyme supplements, why consumers are really putting their money where their mouth is, very literally now, and um, you know why we're seeing that increase, and also how it's affecting the market and some of the challenges behind bringing your product to market. It was all very insightful, and I appreciate you bringing it here on the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, for the opportunity to share. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.